Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. This episode's guest is Jordan Bateman, Vice President of Communications and Marketing at the Independent Contractors and Businesses Association, or the ICBA. Jordan is well known for his advocacy for open shop construction companies, which the ICBA represents, and stops by to speak about his organization's response to the provincial and federal budgets. Our interview starts now. Uh, I'm Jordan Bateman. I am the Vice President of Communications for the Independent Contractors and Businesses Association. Awesome. Jordan, really appreciate your time here. Um, today, we're talking about the provincial budget, a little bit about the federal budget as well. Wondering if, if when we jump off here, you can tell me about your organization's uh, initial reactions to, um, the, to what the province has planned here. Well, you know, going into the budget, we had, um, we've been advocating for some sort of comprehensive plan. You know, we hear a lot of buzzwords like build back better and uh, interesting uh, things like that. Unfortunately, we don't see a lot of um, actual government uh, planning and how to do that. You know, the strategies all seem very ad hoc. Um, you know, there's a lot of wishful thinking <laughs> more than actual uh, hard plans. So, you know, we were looking to see what the government was going to put in the budget, uh, what infrastructure were they going to fund, and then, you know, what is your plan to uh, for economic growth going forward? Unfortunately, not much of a plan. Um, a number of infrastructure projects left out and the government that already seems to be, uh, you know, starting to run a little bit out of ideas, um, and you know, from a construction point of view, some worrisome trends as far as housing starts, as far as building permit numbers that um, aren't expected to rebound anytime soon, or are actually expected to get worse over the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree on that. There is a little bit of uh, or a lack of of specificity there. Do you guys have some thoughts, like as you're doing your lobbying and your engagement with the government about if you had like a top three priorities about what that kind of recovery plan would look like? Yeah, priority one is, uh, you know, ties into frankly, what we also think is a huge issue um, outside the business world and that's affordability. You know, we, we talk a lot about housing affordability in this province, but it just gets worse and worse and worse. And if there's one thing that we've seen, it's that adding more taxes to building projects does not uh, help affordability. We have we have a hundred years of evidence of that now. Whether it's property transfer tax, which was originally brought in in the '80s as a wealth tax, and is now driving up the cost of every single property transaction. Um, we wanted to see a lot more effort on working on the municipal governments to speed up permits, to speed up development processes. We did not get that. That's a big concern, and and one I think the NDP are going to. Um, really uh, where when they go into the next election in 2024. Just to give you some numbers, like housing starts dropped about 16% in 2020. This is government number, um, you know, in the budget itself. But, you know, unlike many economic indicators, it's expected, it's not expected to rebound in 2021. It's expected to drop a further 8.5%, and then another 3% drop in 2022. So you're coming down to basically 30,000-ish units being built, uh, being started for housing. Uh, in a year in British Columbia, that is far less than we need um, in order to house not just immigration, but also to house you know millennials striking out on their own, um, you know families, uh, you know families uh, reconfiguring the way they live. You know we need to be building 50, 60, 70,000 units, trying to flood the market with supply. And instead, uh, we're seeing municipal halls uh, make it harder, and we're seeing uh, provincial government kind of turn a blind eye to it. Yeah, well, it's interesting to see because at the federal level, they did address it. 
but it because the province is is managing or responsible for a lot of this or the oversight of the municipalities it's um it's a unique challenge um and yeah bureaucracy is is obviously a uh, a barrier there what about on the the skilled labor shortage uh, side of things? Have you do you guys have any thoughts there? I mean, the number that I had read within the last couple of weeks is I think fifty nine thousand ish skilled labor roles for projects already planned. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you guys uh, approaching that? Yeah, well, government had no plan for that either. Um, I think there was like uh, four or five million dollars for uh, to help folks who are unemployed now get into skilled trades, but also into childcare, also into um, some tourism opportunities so uh not a great plan the biggest problem with the labor shortage is training seats you know the government especially this government being you know very ideologically aligned with the building trades unions which by the way only represent about 15 percent of construction workers in british columbia um they're very tied to that old school 1970s 1990s model of um you know get them into a union and get them into a training and get them out the door um that actually is not the way Uh, you know, construction uh, works anymore. Um, We need a massive investment and modernization of training seats. Um, You know, ICBA, one of the things we've done this year is we launched, we had a number of painting companies come to us and there is a a painting and decorating red seal trade that you can, you know, apprentice for and then apply to to get uh, your red seal. Well, um, you know, these painting companies would continually put people forward to go into the school so they could you know, do their last day of their apprenticeship and get their, uh, get their red seal. And the unions would bump them out. Um, so what we did is we took their curriculum, modernized it, delivered it in a combination of online and, uh, and in-person, uh, COVID friendly, of course. Um, and we have 22 students right now who are uh, checking the date, three weeks away from writing, challenging their red seal um, exam. Um, you know, instead of encouraging more of this, you know, the government is, you know, or, and the unions are, are kind of pushing back against it, which is kind of crazy. Like we, we need more workers. We need everyone training workers. We need everyone um, finding new ways to bring them and everyone educating them. Like if you're really going to, you know, go to this old 70s, 90s model of, of unionized schools, then you got to at least have training seats available. They can't even be bothered to do that. So it's a big problem. You're right. 59,000 is the number. Um, it's not uncommon uh, to industries. I mean, tourism is seeing an aging workforce, retail, restaurants, everyone is. Agriculture is a great example. Um, we're all searching for those younger workers. Um, you know, the, the more we can do to get people into the trades, which are great jobs. And if you're an entrepreneur, it can actually turn into quite a company and quite a legacy you leave. Uh, you know, we should be doing as much of that as possible. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I think, um, or do you see opportunities to expand that program further like potentially even having because i know the unions like i I have a buddy of mine he's a heavy duty mechanic and he was doing some upgrading so they've got like an actual education facility that they're that they have have you thought about down the road or in the not not so far uh future about doing something like that at the icba yeah i don't think we want to go to a facility simply because we want to do a more modern view like the one thing we've or one thing we've learned in this uh, covid is that um like it really forced us to pivot training online um, we still do some in-person COVID-friendly classes, but the vast majority of our folks now are trained online through webinars, live webinars, online on-demand courses, a mix of all of those. Um, we have a second painting cohort coming up 
uh, in the spring. If you're listening to this and you're interested, icba.ca slash painting, that will take you to the details there. Um, we're talking with a few other trades, uh, glaziers. Um, Ironworkers, not so much. LMS is a big ironworking company here in, in BC. And of course, uh, they have an excellent training academy, one that we help uh, with, you know, kind of in the back end with their education and whatnot. Um, so not so much that one, but definitely glazing. I've had some talks with drywall folks. Um, you know, I suspect there'll be more coming down the pipe um, as we show the model, the painting model and how well it works. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Sort of an entrepreneurial approach there. Um, what about recruiting from other provinces? Like a, one, an example, like we, uh, you know, outside of this podcast, we do did a, a sponsored con campaign for a developer on the island. They've got 60 skilled labor positions to fill. They are non-union. Um, and so we've looked at, you know, kind of an Alberta, uh, Saskatchewan. Have you guys thought about collaborating with like, you know, even, I don't know if tourism BC or the, the province on kind of looking at BC as that destination for other Canadian skilled labor yeah, so you know we're we're part of a network of uh, other open shop associations called Merit Canada. So we work with folks in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and Atlantic provinces. Um, we would be very careful about trying to poach workers from those uh, those other associations. The, the underreported story is, you know, five years ago, ten years ago, I think housing prices were considered a Greater Vancouver and a um, uh, Toronto story. Now it's everywhere. Halifax is seeing a huge housing affordability issue. They're trying to get as many starts going as possible. I mean, there's a demand in every province in this country for construction workers. You know, the truth is immigration is gonna be a big part of, of solving that problem. Um, but so is getting um, parents, especially, and, and educators to look at the trades as very viable, very attractive career options for their children. Um, I, you know, not to pick on Andrew Weaver, former leader of the BC Green Party, but he always kind of poo-pooed the trades, like, oh, you know, the trades, like, let's get you out of these, you know, temporary, as he called them, you know, dirt-moving jobs and into the, in, you know, the uh, tech, the uh, innovation economy, he called it. That's all fine and good, but the innovation economy still needs places to work. <laughs> you know, they need the infrastructure in place. There's always going to be construction jobs. So trying to educate families that, like, hey, you know, if you're if you have a young worker, a kid who is good with their hands and, and understands this stuff, get them into construction, get them apprenticing, get them their red seal. They can eventually strike out on their own with their own little crew and do subcontracts. And you know, some of the largest construction companies in British Columbia were started by you know one person or you know a couple of friends who worked together on another team and then and then struck out on their own. It's a huge opportunity uh, if you're entrepreneurial at all. Yeah. Um, and and that's a message we're trying to get out to the the general public. Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, last thing on the provincial budget was the supply. I mean, I guess supply is probably is a national issue too. Do you guys have, I mean, just probably some frustrations, but uh, thoughts on solutions for that uh, for that problem? Yeah, well, I mean, we talked a lot about housing already, but um, you know, non-residential building permit value in BC also fell fifteen percent in twenty twenty, and when you dig into the numbers, government procurement went up about thirty six percent. So for building permits, the problem is that commercial plunged 26%, industrial plunged 22%, and you know it's non-residential values expect to go down another 8% in 2021. Um, we need to build stuff. I, I was having a conversation with someone actually about this. Like, how do we bring, how do we encourage more investors to come and invest in BC oil and gas and energy and you know commercial buildings and things like that? You know, his point was 
if you're coming to BC to invest, why wouldn't you just invest in land or housing and you just watch it go up and up and up and up? Um, you know, it's hard to have those same kind of returns now on these commercial and industrial buildings because there's so much red tape and bureaucracy and cost delays involved. That has to change. Um, Canada ranks 64th, <laughs> 64th in the world, uh, according to a World Bank report, in the length of time it takes to get a building permit. Uh, that does not make sense for a modern, um, you know, a modern country that desperately needs uh, investment. So, you know, there were no solutions proposed in either the BC or the federal documents uh, budgets this week. Um, I, I guess they're kind of just crossing their fingers and hoping everything kind of works out for the best. But, you know, uh, you need strategy. Like, you know, you know, hopes without a strategy is just like a pipe dream. Like, you actually have to have some sort of strategy to sort of, you know, bring these people back into the uh, into the economy in BC. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Throwing it money at uh, problems is only mm -hmm. part of uh, and barely a solution at times. Um, Want to quickly ask you about a couple of things on the federal side, the carbon pricing increase um, now supported by the CPC as well. Is that, does that play into any of your, um, your conversations maybe with that larger organization that you mentioned across the country or? Yeah. The, you know, in BC, obviously we've had a provincial carbon tax for a long time. It continues to go up and up. Um, there's no doubt that that does embed costs into doing business in British Columbia. Um, I don't think we should pretend it doesn't. Um, but, you know, one of the problems, and this is a political advice, one of the problems for the federal parties is they spend so much time squabbling over a national carbon tax that has zero effect in BC. You know, whether it's whether you hate O'Toole's plan or love it or hate Trudeau's plan or love it, it's irrelevant because it wouldn't apply to British Columbia because we have our own carbon tax structure. That said, you know, the NDP have stripped out, you know, revenue neutrality in that carbon tax. It's now just another tax grab for them. Um, that's something that, you know, it, when government changes again, should be one of the things that gets addressed is returning revenue neutrality to the BC carbon tax. Yeah, well, it's good. Uh, and then the last one I saw there, there's a new luxury tax proposed on vehicles over 100K. I know in construction, mm -hmm. the work trucks are quite pricey. Um, is it, have, you, have you guys thought about pushing back on that at all? Or do you have any potential kind of counter solutions or exemptions maybe? Yeah, we, we want to see the details. The devil's always in the details in these budgets. You know, how will it actually be uh, laid out? You know, I don't think any of us really have that much of a problem with a, someone buying a Lamborghini, having to pay a little bit extra. Um, work trucks are a different kettle of fish. We haven't seen whether it's going to apply to, to work trucks or if we see they're going to be more pleasure vehicles. Um, you know, I do notice that I think they have a, a tax on yachts over a quarter million dollars. Um, you know, they used a different, you know, by by calling it a yacht and not calling it a boat, you know, that I, that to me at least implies that they're trying to exempt work boats and tugboats and things like that. So hopefully, um, you know, work, uh, work vehicles are exempted from this, but we'll be keeping an eye on that for sure. Okay, awesome. Anything else on those, on either of those budgets that you wanted to cover? I didn't, I didn't ask you. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of infrastructure projects left out of the BC one. There's nothing for the Massey Tunnel, nothing for SkyTrain to Langley, nothing for uh, improving Brunette Highway one, uh, nothing for the Quinnell Bypass or the Taylor Bridge in Northeast BC, that, and nothing for North Shore Rapid Transit. You know, those are important projects, not just from a construction point of view of like, we have men and women who want to build it, which is great, um, but also from an infrastructure investment point of view, growing the economy. You know, fixing the bottleneck at the Massey Tunnel will uh, increase uh, the amount of goods that can flow from the Delta port. Uh, that is good for the economy and good for everyone in BC. So, 
you know, we need to be continually pushing the provincial government to, uh, to fund those important projects. Well, that's awesome. Um, I had a quick question for you. Uh, you know, I've been following your career since I moved to Lower, Lower Mainland when you were with the, the Taxpayers Federation. And you've always seemed to be kind of behind projects that, that generate a lot of, of PR. One of the things that has changed in my observation is just that government's responding to noise. And business, the business community is not always the best at um, knowing what the right kind of noise is to make. Um, and so it's, it's just an interesting challenge, right? A, they're so busy working in their businesses, moving the economy forward yeah. that they don't necessarily have the time to protest, but have you thought about, um, or do you have some thoughts about maybe how the ICBA is or can better approach changing the government's opinion with noise, um, or the business community as, as a whole? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, you know, I think the corporate, the business community is very transactional. You know, if it doesn't affect them, they don't want to say anything. And there's always this sense like, oh, don't be too hard on the government because we may need them at some point um, or we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. That is not ICBA's philosophy at all. ICBA for 45 years has been very vocal about uh, supporting open shop construction. Um, the other part is business, businesses trying to do advocacy do not use the tools very well. You know, I, I was on Facebook this morning. ICBA has, is, we're closing on 29,000 Facebook page likes. And that by far puts us, you know, ahead of the BC Liberal Party, um, you know, every other trade association in BC. I think, you know, <laughs> the big ones put together, we have more um, Facebook followers. Um, you know, I was on um, the Business Council of British Columbia's uh, Facebook page because I was looking for their budget analysis to share to ours. And you know, bless them, they had seven posts uh, about Earth Day yesterday and only two posts on the provincial budget in the last week. And, you know, yes, Earth Day is important and we should be supporting it, absolutely. And by no means is economic growth and environmentalism, you know, those can go hand in hand. But it does show you like the business community is lagging behind in how you get that message out. And in a document that would have been very, it's very important, um, like, you know, God bless Earth Day, but, you know, the BC budget affects the health, education, social welfare of every citizen of British Columbia. Wouldn't be nice to have the business, uh, more of that kind of business focus. So my encouragement to those groups is always like, look, you got to keep posting. You got to keep growing your, uh, your presentation skills. Um, you can't be afraid to, to speak out on behalf of your, uh, your industry or your company um, and your employees. You know, what's good for your company is you know, is good for your employees. It, it creates uh, economic wealth and, and benefit for them. You gotta, you gotta be willing to do it. Um, I think there's a lot of reluctance among the corporate, uh, some corporate groups to, to do that. Um, they get beat up sometimes online and they're very sensitive to that. That's gonna happen anytime you take a stand for something, there's gonna be people who maybe don't like that stand, but you can still be respectful and clear and, and work hard to make your case reasonable. Uh, without shying away from the uh, arena altogether. And my encouragement to Board of Trades and Chambers of Commerce and uh, many individual companies as well is, you know, invest in social media. Not only is it good, not only is it good for your marketing of your actual products and services, but it does give you a platform to, you know, kind of pressure government into uh, to changing things. Remember what Reagan said, right? When you can't make them see the light, make them feel the heat. <laughs> Sometimes uh, we have to do that in the corporate community. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, yeah, I 100% agree there. Um, last two quick things sort of unrelated to this. I uh, try to ask everybody the same question here. Best piece of personal advice that you've received? 
Best piece of personal advice I've received. Turned 45 this, actually last weekend. And, uh, you know, you kind of go through, you think back to your life and the highlights and whatnot. And, um, you know, one thing that kind of stuck with me is, um, like I've learned, I've been lucky to to work with very smart people and learn a lot from them. And um, understanding that like, I didn't have, I don't have all the answers on every issue at every time or or how to fix things like expanding your circle and and not being afraid to ask you know, questions of people who are smarter than you. That is something that someone taught me early on and I'm, I'm grateful for it. So, you know, so I was going to the Business Council website because they have excellent economists and, you know, I want to see, you know, I, I know what my perception is of the BC budget. I wanted to see what theirs was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't be afraid to ask, uh, don't be afraid to reach out and ask smarter people uh, the questions that help shape your own opinion. Awesome. That's funny. We've got them coming on in a couple of weeks as well. Um, yeah. Great. And the last one, favorite restaurant, uh, I would say, I don't know if BC is a little too wide, let's say Lower Mainland. Oh, favorite restaurant. You know, it's so funny because it feels like so long since any of us have gone out anywhere. Uh, favorite restaurant. Okay, well, almost every year, uh, ICBA holds board of directors retreats in Victoria. And there's a restaurant there, Il Terrazzo, which is a, a fantastic Italian restaurant. And man, I don't think I ever eat as much as I do on that, you know, fancy dinner at Il Terrazzo. Now, partly because it's on the boss's dime. So um, that's always good. But honestly, like Il Terrazzo in Victoria, if you get a chance, go. Thanks for stopping by from the trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. If you want to learn more about the interviewee, please check the web and social links provided in the video or listening platform description. Please send any feedback to info at businessexaminer.ca with the subject line podcast. We'll see you next week.